Hello, everyone. It's Eves checking in here to let you know that you're going to be hearing two different events in history in this episode. They're both good, if I do say so myself. On with the show. Welcome to This Day in History class, where history waits for no one. The day was February 23rd, 1954. A group of children from Arsenal Elementary School in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, received the first vaccines for polio, a disabling and potentially deadly infectious disease that can cause meningitis and paralysis, among other symptoms. The new vaccine had been developed by Dr. Jonas Salk, an American physician and medical researcher. Salk's vaccine was a continuation of the work many other researchers had done before him, and it wouldn't serve as the be-all, end-all solution to polio transmission. What the vaccine did do, though, was reduce the rate at which polio was occurring among middle-class Americans. Polio, the shortened name for poliomyelitis, is caused by the polio virus. As the contagious virus spreads from person to person, it can wreak havoc on the nervous system of the affected, causing muscle deterioration and even death if it disrupts the processes of breathing or swallowing. There were only 22 reported cases of polio worldwide in 2017. But back in the early 1950s, the number of known polio cases in the world was in the hundreds of thousands and the United States was facing an epidemic. The rate of paralysis and death from polio was on the rise, and the public was rightfully scared. People were increasingly aware of the need for a polio vaccine. By this time, teams had been working to find an effective and safe vaccine for polio for decades, and people were racing to find ways to help prevent incidences of polio, In 1935, both Maurice Brody and John Colmer developed polio vaccines and tested them on monkeys, then children. But people were paralyzed and died in both experiments, even though Brody's results were promising, and other researchers' reactions to the tests were overwhelmingly negative. In 1938, the March of Dimes was established when people sent dimes to President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who had been diagnosed with polio, to help raise funds to fight the disease. In 1949, researchers at the Poliomyelitis Laboratory at Johns Hopkins University established that there were three immunologically different varieties of polio. And to much well-deserved ethical concern, researcher Hilary Kaprowski tested a live, attenuated vaccine on children at an institution for mentally and physically disabled people. The point is, by 1952, many breakthroughs related to polio vaccination had been made, and medicine was well on its way to figuring out how to prevent polio. Dr. Jonas Salk was head of the Virus Research Lab at the University of Pittsburgh. In 1948, he was given a grant to study polio and potentially develop a vaccine for it. And he did just that, using a procedure the aforementioned Maurice Brody had tried years earlier. Salk would grow samples of the polio virus and then deactivate them using a solution called formalin. 
Then he would inject the dead virus into a patient's bloodstream, and that person's immune system would create antibodies that prevented future exposure to polio. The vaccine required three injections and a booster. Salk and his team began early tests of the vaccine on physically and mentally disabled children in 1952, using funds from the March of Dimes, which was then called the National Foundation for Infantile Paralysis. And in 1953, Salk injected himself, his wife, and his sons with the polio vaccine. Children were given the first injections of the new vaccine at Arsenal Elementary School on February 23, 1954. And a couple of months later, a large-scale trial of the polio vaccine began. Nearly 2 million children ended up participating in the trial. The next year, when results of the trial were announced, they showed that the vaccines had largely been effective. Salk had become a sort of celebrity or household name. But his success did not come without controversy. Formalin wasn't always successful at deactivating the live virus, so the live virus could remain in some vaccines. Because of this, a bad batch of polio vaccines made by Cutter Laboratories caused 40,000 cases of poliomyelitis, dozens of cases of paralytic polio, several deaths, and an epidemic within affected communities. And Cutter's vaccine was taken off the market. Some immunologists and epidemiologists were concerned that Salk's vaccine wasn't as safe and practical as it needed to be to effectively produce lifelong immunity in millions of people. They argued that an oral attenuated live virus vaccine was a better option. But by 1956, the number of polio cases in the U.S. had dropped from more than 14,000 in 1955 to less than 6,000. And nearly 100 other countries were using Salk's vaccine by 1959. Albert Sabin did develop an oral attenuated live virus vaccine that was licensed in 1962. It was cheaper and easier to take than Salk's vaccine and thus became more popular. Today, Salk's vaccine is once again the favored method of polio immunization But elsewhere in the world, where polio occurs at a higher rate, Sabin's vaccine is preferred. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us at T-D-I-H-C Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thanks for joining me on this trip through history. See you here, same place, tomorrow. Hi again, everyone. It's Eves, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show where history waits for no one. The day was February 23, 1944. The Stalinist regime ordered the Chechens and the English to be deported to Central Asia and Siberia, accusing them of collaboration with the invading Nazis. 
The Chechens and English are Northeast Caucasian ethnic groups. Together, the groups are known as the Vinok peoples. Hostilities and violence between the Chechens and Russia date back centuries. In the 1920s and 1930s, after the Soviet Union was formed, the Chechens resisted Stalin's collectivization and Sovietization policies. But in 1934, the Soviet government merged the Chechen and English Autonomous Oblast into a single political administrative entity. That entity became the Chechen-English Autonomous Soviet Socialist Republic in 1936. Encouraged by Soviet defeats in the Winter War against Finland in late 1930 and early 1940, Chechen nationalist Kassan Israelov led a rebellion of Chechen and English peoples against the Soviets. The uprising gained momentum, and by the time of the German invasion of the Soviet Union in 1941, the movement had gained thousands of fighters and sympathizers. In 1942, Mirabek Sharapov, another leader in the Chechen insurgency, joined forces with Israelov. It was rumored that the Germans assisted the Chechens in their rebellion, but many historians deny that this claim is true. The rebellion lasted until 1944. In February of that year, Lavrenti Beria, the head of the NKVD, ordered that the Chechens and English be deported to remote areas in the Soviet Union. NKVD stands for the People's Commissariat of Internal Affairs. The NKVD was a government organ of the state and secret police. During the Second World War, Stalin implemented many systems of deportation and forced transfers. There were the Gulag forced labor camps, and there were massive deportations of ethnic minorities. Part of the NKVD's responsibilities were to imprison and deport political and ethnic enemies of the Soviet Union. The deportation of the Chechens and English was known as Operation Chechevitsa or Operation Lentil. Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin accused the groups of collaborating with the Nazis, even though no substantial evidence to support this claim has ever been discovered. The deportations began on February 23, 1944, when the deportees were given basically no time to gather their belongings. The number of people deported varies by source, but it's usually estimated at anywhere between 400,000 and 600,000 people. Through the rest of February and into March, families were loaded onto trains and forcibly transferred to places like Kazakhstan and Siberia. The terrain and Chechen resistance in the mountains slowed the deportation, and the conditions in the cattle trains and freight cars were terrible. There was no running water or heat, and people were hungry and subject to infection. The deportees were put into so-called special settlements. Over the next 13 years, they were overseen by the NKVD and were not able to leave their villages past a short distance. They had to perform hard physical labor. Estimates put the number of Chechen and English deaths from the deportation and exile at up to 200,000. The Chechen-English ASSR was dissolved in 1944, but it was restored in 1957, after Nikita Khrushchev came to power. The Chechens and English began returning to their homelands by the thousands. There they found their land and homes occupied or deteriorated, and they continued to face ethnic conflicts. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you know you already spend too much time on social media, spend some of that time with us. 
at T-D-I-H-C podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also shoot us an email at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.